You know, one of the things that I love about James is how he keeps us honest with our faith. This is important because sometimes I think that as Lutherans, we can have a tendency to reduce faith to simply its content. That when we think about faith, we might just think about its right doctrine or believing the right things from the Bible. And sometimes we can even be so convinced that that's what faith is that we can get complacent in just having the right content of our faith. And though the right content is certainly biblical and very important, what I love about James is he comes in and throws a challenge flag and says, wait a minute, right? Don't fool yourselves into thinking that faith is just about content. Rather, faith than just being a noun, faith is actually a power verb. Think about who faith is connected to. It's connected to the reigning, risen Lord Jesus Christ. And so therefore, faith can only be active. It can be living out the Word of God. It can only be busy doing. So therefore, James moves faith from being just about a creed to also being about our conduct in everyday life. And so that is why we entitled this series, James, Turning Your Faith Inside Out, from just what we believe to going and living what God has called us and taught us in His Word. So as we continue with chapter 1, I first wanted to review quickly what we talked about last week. It's always good to remember, maybe you couldn't be with us for some reason. So last week, Pastor Micah opened with the first 12 verses where James talks about how we perceive our trials differently when we have faith. That yes, our trials are painful. They hurt. But our trials are also purposeful. That we have a God who is working in our lives to build steadfastness in our faith when it's under pressure. And then we also learned last week in verse 12 that steadfastness leads to ultimately eternal blessing. That there is laid up for us right now in heaven the crown of eternal life. And so with that reward, that prize always in view, it changes how we see our hardships now. We actually welcome them with joy because God is doing something so much bigger in our lives when we face hardship. He is shaping us for that crown. As we continue now, we're going to wrap up chapter 1 today as we continue to push through James. Let's look at these words again uh, at the end of chapter 1. James says, Know this, my beloved brethren. Let each person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, take off all filthiness and abundant evil and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word not hearers only 
who deceive themselves. So in this portion, how does James invite us to turn our faith inside out? Well, he says it starts with a removal. All right, look at verse 21 again. James says, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, take off, strip yourself of moral filth and abundant evil. It's been pretty hot outside these last two weeks, hasn't it? (laughs) And maybe at some point you were outside and you either went for a jog, you went for a walk, you went for a bike ride, you had a lawn to mow, you had gardening work to do, you had sports game, maybe a practice, and you know what it's like when you are just sopping wet with sweat. And you are so sopping wet that the clothes actually stick to your skin And then you get that, oh, that awful reek of your own smell, and you just can't wait to get those wet, sopping, sticky, smelly clothes off. In fact, you just want to get these things off you so fast, those clothes might not even make it to the hamper. They might just stay on the floor where you leave them, right? Oh, just get this off. It's the same image that James gives us in our reading today. Because the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God, take off all of our moral filth that sticks to our body and clings and it reeks in the abundant evil of our sinful nature, whether it's lusting, whether it's lying, whether it's all that worry, that stress that's trying to imprison you. Just get it off. And then James continues, once we remove, then there is a receiving. Right, look at verse 21. Therefore, take off all filthiness and abundant evil and receive with meekness the implanted word of God, which is able to save your souls. What's it mean to receive with meekness this implanted Word of God. To receive with meekness means to humble ourselves under God's Word, that we are never in a position to judge on top of God's Word, nor are we ever in a position to be on par with God's Word. But in a spirit of humility and meekness, we live our entire life, every area of our life, under the authority of God's Word. I mean... Why just live under God's Word in one area of our life, but not be living under God's Word in another area of our life? So it means to to have a soft and pliable soil in our heart that readily receives and humble ourselves under God's Word. And we allow it to shape our tongue. We allow it to shape 
how we manage our finances and steward them for God and others. We allow it to shape how we live out the gift of sexuality that God has given us, and we allow it to shape how we treat others, even those who mistreat us. Pastor Randall Young said he believes these are the top ten reasons why people avoid the Bible. Number ten, because they just don't think they're smart enough to understand it. They look at all several hundred pages and don't know where to start. They say the Bible makes me sleepy, right? It's too confusing for me. I just won't get that much out of it. It's filled with contradictions. It's boring. I might actually have to change a few things in my life. I'll just forget what I learned or read, and, or I'll just get distracted, and my mind will go off on some tangent, or you know what, I really don't have the time. As you look at these top ten excuses, which one of these do you often believe? And which one do I often believe? See, this is part of the filth that James is calling us to remove so that we can humbly receive the implanted Word of God that He put into our hearts through baptism and faith, and so that it can lord over every area of our life. And do you know why this word is so important to receive with meekness? Look at his answer at the end of verse 21. He says, receive with meekness the implanted word, here it is, which is able to save your souls. In this word right here is life saving, eternity-changing gospel power. This word that God implants in your life in baptism and faith has the power to save your soul. And whenever the Bible talks about salvation, your salvation has three facets. First, your salvation is a past event. Jesus did it. When He said on the cross, it's finished. It's done. It's accomplished. The full price has been paid. But your salvation is also a future event. It will be realized fully when Jesus comes back in all of his glory. You'll be completely made new in body, soul, and creation. So your salvation is also a future event. The best is yet to come. But your salvation is also a present reality that you live every day in the power of this implanted Word, which is able to save your souls and give you what you need to resist that temptation to put off the devil and bind him in your life and to have victory over death if it's your last day on earth. Receive with meekness this implanted Word, which is able, it has gospel power to save your souls. Then, then, and now. 
And so having removed and stripped off and taken off our moral filth and and all of our abundant evil, and having received with a pliable, humble spirit this, this implanted Word of God that has gospel power, Jesus then calls us through James in this last part to respond. Remove, receive, and then respond. Look at verse 22. But he says, be doers of the word and not just hearers who deceive themselves. I want you to put yourself in a scenario, if you would, for just a couple minutes. It's very early in the morning, and you hear just an awful sound, the alarm. And maybe you just start swatting around for your phone or the alarm clock and you hit it or you just throw it on the floor, chuck it, whatever, you know, your natural response is to that, that awful sound. And you realize that today is the day. And today is a big day. Maybe you're going to make an oral defense for your doctorate degree. Maybe in a couple hours you're going to pledge your life to someone else in holy marriage. Maybe you are going for an interview, this job that you have dreamed of, or perhaps you're getting ready to go out on a first date. But you wake up and it's the day. And then maybe now you roll out of bed or maybe you just fall out of bed. You know, it's early. And you pick yourself up and you stumble to the restroom and and you turn on the lights and, and you look in the mirror. And there you are looking at all of your morning glory. And I want you to pretend that you're looking in your morning glory and you say, oh, okay. And you immediately just put the clothes on for that big event and go as is. Right? No getting rid of the scuff with the razor. No doing any morning pimple popping search and destroy, right? No doing up the hair, making it look nice, or putting any kind of makeup or cover up on, but how many of you would go to that big event as is? Hopefully none. (laughs) Or now imagine this, you, you go to the mirror, and you see your morning glory, and you get to work, right? You might jump in the shower, get fresh, get the mousse, the gel, the hairspray, get the shaving done, do the cover-up. If it's a big day, you might even go spend several hundred dollars to get your hair done, your makeup done, your nails done professionally because it's a big day. This is exactly the image that James gives us when we look at the Bible. He compares the Bible to a mirror. And he compares careless listening or an observant doer. Look at what he says in these next verses. He says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at himself in a mirror. He looks at himself and goes away and at once forget what he looks like. But the one who looks into the mirror, the perfect law of liberty, God's word, Being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So every day, he says, we 
hold ourselves before the mirror of God's Word. And, and with its gospel power, with the Holy Spirit at work in our hearts, we start by removing our filth and sin. We, we receive again anew each morning the, the implanted Word of God, and then we work to actually put it into our lives and be hearers and doers, not just those who hear and like that morning glory, look in the mirror and go, oh, and go forget about what you just saw. Hearing and doing. And I know that it can be uncomfortable sometimes to talk about the commands in God's Word. Right, Pastor Micah shared last weekend how in James, the short and spicy letter, five chapters, 108 verses, there are over 50 imperatives, over 50 commands. And I know that that could sound heavy and, and like, man, God, this is just a bunch of do and stuff. But, but not only do we have the power of the Spirit and this implanted Word in us to do it, but here's what I love about commands. Commands reveal the character of God. The commands in the Bible reveal to us the character of God. Let's just take four of the commandments. What does the fourth commandment reveal about the character of God when he says, do not murder the fifth commandment? It reveals to us that we have a God who loves all human life. Or how about the sixth commandment, do not commit adultery? Reveals we have a God who values faithfulness because he is the faithful one to us. Or the seventh commandment, do not steal. That tells us that we have a God who provides for all the needs of his children, and boy, is he generous. Or the Eighth Commandment, do not bear false testimony. We have a God who is truth, and there is not one bit of falsehood in our God. So when we see these commands of God in the Bible, yes, they tell us, they define what an obedient walk with Christ looks like. But they also reveal the character of our God. And so at the end of chapter 1, James gives us three concrete ways to hear God's Word and then go do what it says. He says in verse 26, bridle your tongue. Right? He'll talk about this more later in chapter 3. He says in verse 27, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and their troubles. Look out for those who are socially marginalized. And in 27b, he says, and keep yourself unstained from the very polluted ways of this world. Those all reveal the character of our God as well as what it looks like to walk as children of God. And here are some others from his half-brother, from James, or from Jesus. These are just from Luke. Yes, commands, but look at what they reveal about our Savior. Jesus says, do good to those who hate you. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Deny yourself. Take up your cross daily and follow me. Stop worrying 
Your Father knows everything that you need. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Pray always and do not lose heart. Do this in remembrance of me and be ready because I am coming at an unexpected hour. Remove, receive, and then respond. We go and do what the Word says. Sometimes I'm asked the questions, what's a good translation of the Bible? And that's a very good question, and there are many fine ones. And you know, I think if we ask James that question today, what's a good translation of the Bible? This is what I think James would say. He would say, the best translation of the Bible is when we translate it into our lives. Not hearers only, but those who go and do. You are blessed in your doing. Amen. We take a moment now to reflect on His Word and our hear and practice, right? That's where we get it from, hear His Word and now practice, be a doer of the Word. So here are a couple questions I have for you right now to talk about with those who are around you here in the sanctuary, those who you might be with at home. But the first question is this, from one you dread it to ten, yeehaw, how comfortable are you looking at yourself in the mirror? And second part of that one is, how comfortable are you at looking yourself in Scripture? And then here's number two. In what area of your life do you hear God inviting you to be a doer of His Word and not just a hearer? Go ahead and take a few seconds to share what comes to your mind with each other, and then we'll go ahead and join together in a song.